hey there, just before the podcast begins, just to let you know that around the 13 minute mark, there's a bit of loud noise. Um, it only goes for like a minute, not even that, it's like 10 seconds and then 10 seconds again. So if you're using this to fall asleep around the 13 minute mark, there's a bit of loud noise. So hopefully it won't wake you up just to let you know after that, it's fine. But I'm, I just kind of nerded out on some stuff. So a little loud noise, 13 minute mark. Okay, enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Now you can receive a free audiobook if you go to audible.com and sign up to become a member, and they'll give you a free credit when you sign up. If you cancel the membership, you still get to keep the credit and you can download any book you like. That's at audible.com. surrounding a soccer pitch. Imagine a really nice moonlight that's shining across those gum trees. You can feel the the air that's a little it's a little chilly, but it's not too much. It's nice, it's pleasant. And if you've never smelt the smell of eucalypt trees at evening, it is one of the most beautiful smells on the planet, second only to new car smell. Big hi to Manny, who showed me his car just before. I've just blended gum trees with new car smell, haven't I? And you're, you're smelling the two. Come back to me. Come back to the moment. We're on the pitch. It's... It's an amazing day. I'm, I'm there and I'm just breathing it in. The air's a little humid. The days were warm-ish. 23, 23 degrees. And I'm there for practice. I have a lot of good stuff to talk about, but I actually genuinely had this happen and I wanted to let you know because it was one of those amazing moments that you can't plan. You can't plan. The part of the the genius and the fun and the spontaneity and, and the frankly the delight is that you, you can't plan this. It just has to happen. But I wanted to give you a sense of where we were. So join me. Come with me. So we're standing there. And I've got the ball and I'm, one of the friends turns up, the, the teammates. And while we're kicking the ball back to each other, getting our eye in, we just happen to talk about where we're from. You know, that happens. You find some common ground and you start talking. And as subjects do, you talk to where you come from and previous sports that were played. And I mentioned that, you know, used to play Aussie rules football. And 
he mentioned that he used to play, you know, Aussie rules football as well. That's not necessarily a, you know, it's a big thing. I think chances are greater that you meet someone in Australia that does not play Aussie rules football. If they don't play Aussie rules football, then they definitely play rugby. Here's, here's a thing in Australia, side, side note. Up the Queensland way, um, up that way, Queensland, northern Queensland, southern Queensland, it's all rugby. Rugby league, rugby union. Um, we do have a team in, in Melbourne called the Melbourne Storm. And um, it, it's successful, but up there, oh, it's a religion. It's absolutely and utterly a religion. And so they have the, um, you know, the sports there. They also have this um, competition twice, three times a year called State of Origin where New South Wales plays Queensland. And the trophy for this, and you can Google it and check it out, the actual trophy is a bronze statue of two men and they were helping carry each other, you know, leaning against each other off uh, the, the field. And, and it was, you know, such a brutal match that, and full of mud and just, churning up everywhere that you know even these rivals that literally for, for you know 90 minutes just smack into each other afterwards you know they're carrying each other off the field and, and that's the the bronze statue so that's that's queensland down in sydney down in, in certainly victoria and south australia and perth it's all afl and so down that way um chances are of running into someone that, that hasn't played AFL, certainly if, you know, you're at a sporting event, is pretty, is pretty rare. Sorry, not rare. But as we keep talking, he just drops a bomb. He came from Yarrawonga, and I know that just sounds like a name that I've completely and utterly made up. In Australia, certainly the rural locations, we have some pretty interesting names um let me see how many i can remember um Geraldery, yarrawonga numerka katamatite tungama um dubbo that's my favorite you need to go to dubbo um, one time in your life dubbo is one of those towns where people don't go they go through you know a lot finley is another one there's a lot of towns that exist in the rural part of australia that are wonderful locations now. They're fantastic, but the roots of those towns existed because eventually all the farms, well, they had to have a grain solo where they stored the grain for collection. And, well, you had to have someone that looked after the grain solo. So why not then put a general store next to that grain silo? And, well, if you're going to put a general store, then you might as well put a, you know, a pub that's a town in Australia. That's there's a place called Tulleen, T W O L E E N. I think the population's still twenty. But if you go to Google Maps and you look up, you know, Tulleen, you'll literally see that it's about three or four buildings. It's at the crossroads of an intersection, and clearly that's where they they had to have it. So he mentioned that he came from Yarrawonga. Yarrawonga, this is going to, you know, knock your socks off. I know this is meant to be a relaxing, um, you know, episode of Comfy Place, 
but we're still at the tension bit and I completely understand that you're probably at the edge of your seat wherever you are uh, relaxing by the way we'll get to the relaxing bit just stay with me for the high tension drama right now the relaxing part will come he mentioned that he was from Yarrawonga Yarrawonga is I really should learn to prepare before I do this I don't just give me one sec Google Maps because I don't prepare and I kind of record podcasts like I'm doing an acoustic session in a, in a pub I'm just here we are I'm playing it and it's 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 raw so I'm typing in Yarrawonga typed in Yarrawonga you should join me let's do Google Maps together typed in Yarrawonga, uh, Y-A-R-R-A-W-O-N-G-A, by the way, for those who are playing along at home. I'm going to get directions, and I'm going to type in Baruga. That is 40.3 kilometers away, uh, 40.3 kilometers... miles, by the way. So 40.3 Ks, or literally back in those days, it was one hitchhike because you'd just put your thumb out and you'd see someone and they'd be like, neighbor, and jump in. Um, And they'd take you through. Literally hitchhiking was faster than um, than cab rides. I think it still is. Frankly, um, you just put your thumb out. You will just know someone and they will just pick you up and good for a chat. How you doing? And they'll take you along and, you know, where you're off to, all that kind of stuff. And certainly between uh, Cobram, Baruga or Yarrawonga, yeah, it was easy. And I think there was only one, one cab driver in town. So, you know, you just put your thumb out. It was cheaper, faster, more reliable, and you had a great chat with someone you knew. No disrespect to the cab driver guy. I a number of times growing up, I'd have like four bucks in my pocket, and um, I'd have to walk to you know a main street where you put your thumb out. And I was like, oh, and the cab driver would be there, and I just you know go, hey, I've got four bucks. How far can that get me? <laughs> you just like just jump in, give me the four bucks, I'll take you home. Um, anyway, so he's from Yarrawonga. I'm from. Um, from Baruga, this is literally like, to use the Game of Thrones metaphor, and I'm just going to say it's season six. Season six? You know the season before it became terrible? Let's just stop there. Um, yeah, they're, they're meeting at the top of, of Winterfell up there. Full apologise if you've never seen Game of Thrones. Um, the books are amazing, so, you know, read those. Um, and But yeah, so meeting there and we had that moment you know where you kick the ball it doesn't even have to be a ball you just say no way oh my god and then all of the local isms you can just completely and utterly geek out so we instantly just like wow and then just when you thought it couldn't go to the next level that's right I'm sort of leading into it, so it's a little bit predictable. It did. And it came in the form of Rockalonga in Yarrawonga. 
Okay, you may not have heard of this. Burning Man, before Coachella, before Glastonbury, before Ultra Music, before Lollapalooza, you know, before Leeds Festival, before Boomtown, Summerfest, Montreux Jazz Festival, why not? The Way Out West, before Exit Festival, Falls Festival, before all of those, there was Rockalonga in Yarrawonga. Yeah, it was where amazing, amazing Australian bands that would come to these sleepy towns. And there was there was two, Rockalonga and Yarrawonga, and there was the Peaches and Cream Festival, which happened in Cobram. Let's set the scene. Cobram yeah, is about, about, you know, 20, 20,000 people. Baruga, four kilometres away, 1,000 people, just over the Murray River. So by all means, a nice little place full of town folk, farming people, smattering of shops, things like that. Once every four years, though, you'd get about 60,000 people, 70,000 people would just descend on the on these two towns. And chaos would ensue. Absolute and utter chaos. And one year at Rockalonga in Yarrawonga, which happened on Saturday, it's January 22nd, 1994. Oh, it was the pinnacle of that. First of all, you know, 90s. Mm. Music acts, things like that. What music acts were there, do you ask? Well, just the band In Excess, Paul Kelly. Um, side note, uh, if, you, uh, if you've ever heard of the song Every Effing City Sounds the Same, Paul Kelly sings that. He's a pretty cool guy. There's a band, short-lived, that were called The Chocolate Starfish. Don't look into that name too much as to its original origin. It is not a good ending. Anyway, that's the lineup. Except one more band. This one. Well, this boring without happiness. The same. Fame is notorious for cause and stress. I'm young, I'm impressionable, I'm standing in the crowd, and I'm about to be blown away. During the peak of grunge and hard rock around the world with... You've got you know, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Mud Honey, Stone Temple Pilots, things like that. In Australia, it was bands like Baby Animals that were just rocking out. And my God, that was from their studio album. Give them a check out. Their albums are amazing. Great to drive to. Great to just, weirdly enough, you know, let it all out. And after that, you know, you then you relax. It's really good. And so it was there in you know, Yarrawonga, at Rockalonga, amongst the thousands and thousands of other people, as baby animals, the band kicked ass. Oh, they kicked so much ass. They were just a force of sound, and they were just amazing. So I was there. I could discuss that with all my friends when I go back. I had no idea that the guy that I was kicking the soccer ball with down at Eltham, you know, on a Sunday night as, you know, the, the dew was starting to settle down on a chilly spring night. 
also went to Rockalonga in Yarrawonga. What are the odds? I mean, there's, you know, thousands of people, but what are the odds of that? And the amazing thing, you're going to laugh at this. As soon as we identified that, you know, we obviously came from the same area, as soon as we identified, like, you know, music and stuff, and we almost, you know, both said, you know, Rockalonga, we both just yelled out, baby animals, out loud. And then we asked each other, how good were they? And then we answered, they were amazing. And also, I'd just like to note that during this time, the passing didn't stop. Left foot, right foot, things like that. Um, you know, we're disciplined. So the reminiscing in it hard, and it was really cool. And so I just wanted to share that, and I really apologize if you were trying to sleep. Um, falling asleep, you might have woken up. Guaranteed, though, tomorrow you're going to hit up Spotify or Apple, you know, iTunes Music, whatever. You're going to check out the baby animals. That song's called Rush You, by the way. And yeah, it's really, really good. So that was Sunday. Uh, we won on Friday, by the way. Gripping match, 3-2. I won't go into too much detail. But in short, we were better than the other team. Uh, they did very well, but again, in short, not as well as us. We were better. We scored more. Uh, we played better. Um we were better, in short. They were great. Don't want to disrespect them more than what's needed, but yeah, we were better. Oh, I kind of discovered something. So as you know, with this, you know, with ChatGPT is around and everywhere. Let me ask you a question. Is it kind of dishonest to use ChatGPT to write something, you know, give it some prompts and stuff like that, and then send it off? And then people are like, wow, you wrote something. It's fantastic. You are so gifted at writing. Oh, my God, Andrew. Your punctuation was present and there were no spelling mistakes. And you receive the glory and, and, and the praise for this. Is it dishonest to say, well, actually, it was ChatGPT that, that wrote that. And all I did was ask it to write it and gave it some more details. And then it, it went. Is that dishonest? No? Good. Okay, cool. Because that's exactly what I did. I asked ChatGPT to write about the game. And I kind of got it to ask me some questions about the game. Team names, score, notable things, things like that. And I also asked it to write it as if it was a sports writer in the 19th century. You know what? Why don't we have an impromptu story right now? While you're relaxing in your comfy place and you're kicking back and you're, you know, you're driving or you're uh, you know, in bed or you're on your couch or... You know what? You're on a pogo stick. I'm not going to be... Um, you know, singling those people out. There's someone right now, maybe on a pogo stick, and they're just like, wow, recognition. This is for you and everyone else that's listening to this as well, all over the world. Bedtime story. Let's do this. A fateful clash of the redbacks and the blues. The minstrels sing. 
in a display of unyielding tenacity, the venerable team, the Redbacks squared off against the indomitable Blues. In a contest that would decide more than just the victor of the day. From the outset, it was clear. All who cast their eyes upon the verdant pitch that the stakes were astronomically high. The very fate of the Blues' path to the finals hinged on a singular clash. Both teams displayed valour with goals won by sheer determination and defences as robust as ancient ramparts. But, as with many epic tales, controversy danced upon the stage, a goal cloaked in contention and whispers of a handball threatened to cast the shadow over the monumental duel. Yet, the warriors on the field soldered on their spirits, undimmed. The climax of this saga saw that the Reds rise triumphant, and their three goals edging out the Blues too. This victory was not just marked on a scoreboard, but a seal on the Blues team's fate. Their dreams of gracing the finals were now extinguished, and the last whistle pierced the air, a heavy weight settled upon the hearts of the Blues. They would return to their homeland, not the jubilant cheers they had hoped for, but to the scorn of their womanfolk, and the disappointment gazes of their elders. Yet, in a grand tapestry of sport, such a tales of triumph and heartbreak are interwoven, remind us of the highs and lows that makes the beautiful game truly magnificent. That was read for you by Andrew Kneebone and written by a computer somewhere called ChatGPT. The prompts were written by Andrew Nebone. The story was written by ChatGPT. Cool. So yeah, I posted that to the team's room and rounds of you're amazing and etc. So I feel a little guilty. Oh, and I also discovered there's a really cool way to if you want to slight someone, and I feel this is going to happen to a bunch of people, especially people pouring their hearts out poetry style, I'm not going to confess to the fact that I once wrote poetry to woo the hearts of the person that my crush, my true love, may have. Would I do it today, or would I just fire up ChatGPT and say, you know, mention their eyes, mention their, their, their face... Um, mention their good looks, mention their smile, mention all the things that, that you know that, that you like to write a poem. Boom, send that across. Hand write it out on yellow paper. You know, what if you did it for real and then you pull your heart out, midnight, candlelight, the works, and then they kind of write, you know, send back, and they say... Did you use ChatGPT for that? Because it kind of sounds like it's written by a soulless computer that doesn't know a thing about true love. Did you? There's a freight train of hardship coming to someone who pours their heart out. Sort of the inverse, right? From the, you know, sports reports and things like that. Mm. 
It's an interesting question. It's heavy. It's very heavy. However, in this instance, until they, you know, meet him up again and have to look him in the eye, they think I wrote that. So I think that's the moral of the story. I can't wrap up the Rockalonga in Yarrawonga. I went, went online and I, you know, looked for a bunch of stuff about it. And there's not a lot, in fact. And there's this one bit here where um, there's a note on a, on a website. The notes, this is the entire, you know, gig wrapped up. Um, notes, Michael Hutchins, lead singer of In Excess, climbed the lighting tower, fell off, and was later diagnosed with a broken ankle. Rock and roll, baby. Rock and roll. One of the things that I love to do to relax is cook. I love it. It's fantastic. I love eating recipes and, and food that's prepared by other people. Don't get me wrong, but I love to cook. And I love to cook with, I've got playlists for different types of cooking. I've got pasta playlists. I've got you know, taco playlists. Um, it's a pretty damn good playlist. Things like that. And a few days ago, I was making a meal that I haven't made for a long time. So I want to walk you through it. Think of this as another bedtime story of me making. In fact, you know what? No. Let's I'm take you there. We're just, we're just going to hang out. Do that thing where the music's playing, chatting, talking, you know, while the, uh, the food's being prepared. Let me set the scene. White walls, timber floors. It's, it's raining outside, it's kind of cold, but that's okay because it's warm inside. And for those who are in, in summer, they'll probably be loving the fact that it's, it's cold outside. But for those that are joining me in winter and coming out, you know what I mean. The fire is on, music's blaring. Not blaring, you know, it's just there. We've just found a playlist somewhere that's just really, really, really relaxing. So the music's playing. Let's begin. I'm going to make um, shepherd's pie. I love this. I really do. Uh, normally uh, it calls for, for lamb. I just prefer beef. That's me. Actually, I think one day I'm going to use chicken. We'll see what happens. I love this. Let me guide you through. Okay, so it all starts with, you know, it's just chopping up the onions. Um, you can sort of hear the sound of the chopping and, and then the, the subtle smell uh, for that. I've got this really cool thing where I can open the window and, you know, it just blows all the, the vapours away so I don't look like I've just been watching hours and hours of some rom-com. I know it's not the toughest thing in the world, but who likes onions in the eyes, right? So it pulls them out. Chop them up. I love to put them in a pan with a fair bit of butter. This is not one of those healthy meals. This is designed to be really, really, really just satisfying. So get like half a teaspoon of butter, bang that in, and then slowly in a separate pan on low heat. You can't rush this. We don't have to be anywhere. We can just relax. So it slowly simmers. You don't want to rush onions when they've been finely chopped. They have to caramelize. So they're doing their thing. They're on the side. Um, I like to have a few pots going on. 
because, you know, I like to impress. And nothing impresses more than just a bunch of random pots boiling, even though they don't really need to. So this one kind of does that. I get the beef, put that in the pan, and you get that going. That's on high heat. I like to get these two chopping wooden spoon thingies, and you just do this ninja um, you know, like chop, 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 chop together really quickly just to break down uh, this beef. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of chunky. So you break that down. Sleeves rolled up, music's blaring, got the white wine, so red wine. Uh, it's, it's, it's there in the glass. You can sort of smell the caramelization of the onions. Is there anything greater in the world than the smell of caramelizing onions? And now the, the beef is sizzling and you're chopping that away. I like to just do that on high heat, really high heat, do it fast, turn it fast, really, really, really high heat. When that gets to a point, um, I like to just scoop out the water. Don't scoop out all the fat, because as you know, that's where Flavortown lives. And I respect the mayor of Flavortown. I don't, you know, I don't just drive on through and not pay my respects. You've got to respect Flavortown. So, and keep that fat in. This is where it gets interesting. About a cup, I'm just pouring stuff in. It's about a cup. You sort of take it by feel of water. And then uh, there's a, a couple of cubes of this beef stock. I like to put half um, sachet, satchel thingy of taco mix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this is fusion happening. We've got taco and, you know, the, the, the Mexican and English just colliding. So you get the taco mix. About half, yeah, for taste. You can taste it as you go. You can add some more or less. Uh, don't add salt though, because you're going to add the, the cube stock and the uh, the taco's got some salt inside of it. So you just want to wait for that, just to get the taste. And then you you know you taste it with a spoon. And if it's not salty enough, then add a bit of salt. But just be careful there, because if you add like a teaspoon of salt or two, it can be really salty. So put those in. Boil the hell out of them while the onions are slowly simmering. They are not in a rush. They are just relaxing right now. It's kind of like a day spa for them. They've got those, you know, slight, slight bubbling going on. I think it's fantastic. They're really working through some, some of the tensions inside of the onions. They'll get their time, but right now, fantastic. So then you take that, you put it down you know, on a medium heat and you let it, you know, simmer a while. Again, this is not a rushed meal. You just take your time. That's the secret. Meanwhile, back over. Potatoes. You're peeling those. Got that sound of the shik shik of the potatoes going on. It kind of works with the music. You've got the smells of the you know, the boiling, you know, the broth, the beef stock, and the you know the, 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 the taco mix. Mixed with, you can really smell those onions caramelizing right now. They're fantastic. So I'm chopping up the potatoes, chopping them fine. They go into a pot. The water's boiling. It took me a lifetime to realize that you boil water in a kettle first and then put them in a pot. Don't put cold water in. It just takes forever. So you can do that. Bang. Inch it goes. Boil the hell out of those potatoes. I'll tell you why. Well, it's no big deal. We're going to make mashed potatoes, but I'll give it a little little tip of... um of the reasons why. So getting back to the beef. The beef's just doing its thing. It's simmering. 
You might add a bit more water. I put some pepper in uh, just to be fancy, a little bit of rosemary, a bit of thyme. That's going to add that aromatics of rosemary and thyme and, and the pepper and add some more. And it's just simmering down. I now take out those onions. They've got you know the caramelized onions. They've got those little crunchy bits that are just amazing. Um, and of course, the, the butter and stuff and all that goes in and you mix that in. It's fantastic. It just goes in and it this adds to that aroma. It's like a magic potion more than just making, you know, a meal. Over to the fridge, open it up. I pull out the tomato paste. Magic. I guess about a tablespoon of that. You just take the tablespoon, put that in, stir it in. Um, see how it tastes. It needs something a little extra, about a cap. Um, sorry, that's the measurement I've got because I kind of use the cap to measure it out. A bit of red wine vinegar. Bang, red wine vinegar. Put that in. Stir it all in. Take another taste. Perfect. It's heartwarming. You've got the, you know, the, the, the beef and you've got the beef fat and you've got the butter and you've got the onions. But then it's got the zest on the side with the tomatoes and, you know, the, the dare I say it again, taco mix mixed with the beef stock. It's like a harmony of those, those spices. All this just fills the air. The wine is flowing. It's fantastic. The music is playing. It's a really good time. We're almost ready. The oven's on. It's about 200 degrees. All of this is going to go into a pan. And we now need to get the potatoes ready. Here's what I do. We've been boiling the hell out of those potatoes. Don't muck around. You boil them and then boil them some more. Drain them out through a, uh, a drain, you know, so they're all just drained out. Um, they go into like a big metal bowl. Get some, a little dash of milk and a teaspoon of cream. Oh yeah, this is not meant to be. This is not. This is like what you'd have in a restaurant. This is the reason why you're like, wow, why is this thing so nice? Because we're using cream and we're using butters and stuff like that. That's why we love it. So have a tablespoon of thickened cream. And don't get a spoon. Don't get, you know, the mashes and stuff like those things. Get a whisk. Get a whisk and you whisk the absolute utter hell out of those potatoes. It's going to take a while. You start working it up. That's why you've got a big metal bowl. And you whisk like crazy. They're going to fluff up. Oh, they are going to fluff up. And then you whisk and whisk and whisk and whisk and whisk until you could basically sleep on them. They're like a pillow of clouds of heavenly delight. Then they're ready. Take out the... Uh, yeah, the, the, the meat and put it into the round china, you know, sort of saucepan pan thingy. I don't know what they're called. You know the ones. The oven dish thingies. Take that out. Push it down. Get the potato now mashed up. Layer that on top. Layer, 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 layer. I like to do a thing. I pretend that this would be, you know, I'm on MasterChef or something like that. One is Hell's Kitchen. And I've just done this. But then I do one extra that just makes all of the, you know, the chefs just cry. They then realize that this talent is amazing. I'm really saying that word amazing a lot. This talent is 
stupendous. I get like a spoon and I just go like chop, 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 chop along the, along the top. So it creates this like grated thing as if it's like an animal in self-defense and it's just got this serrated sort of raised, um, you know, elements inside of the uh, the potato. Chop, 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 chop. It's like, wow, that is so artistic. Andrew, you, you have outdone yourself. It's all for, for the waste, though, because then we go and get the piece de resistance, the perfect harmony of indulgent fatty foods, and we get tasty cheese, and we're going to grate that on top of the potato. Now, here's the secret when it comes to laying this on top. If you're going to do the shepherd's pie, and it's you know winter and it's cold, don't muck around. I just you just yeah, add all these things. You thank yourself. So you lay the cheese on top, and you're grating it until it's finely coated. Think of it like a blanket, and you're putting the thing to bed, and you're going to lay it with a blanket of grated cheese, and you never thought you'd hear that sentence at all in your life, did you? But here we are, like a blanket of grated cheese, into the oven it goes. Now, 200 degrees, 180 degrees, I don't think it really matters, um, about 180 degrees, oh, hang on, uh, now let me do the Fahrenheit conversion, because, you know, Two hundred degrees. C to F. Three ninety-two. So about three ninety-two or three fifty-six. Yeah, around there. I don't think it really matters. Um, depends. If you want to chill with the significant other or someone that you're, you know, you're spending time with, just turn it down to about one eighty. If you want to cook for yourself and you've already been tortured with all the aromas, then you turn up to 200. I don't honestly don't think it matters. About 20 minutes, what's going to happen on top is it's going to turn golden, golden brown. It's just magic. It's going to turn golden brown and just leave it a little bit longer because it's going to get crunchy. And then that cheese is going to, you know, besides obviously being cheese, it's going to caramelize as well. So you've got that onion caramelization, the meat, the little crunchy bits that, you know, crunchy bits. And then the potato on top and the, you know, the cheese. Some people like to put a bit of salt in the, in the potato. I don't. It's kind of like a nice offset between that and, and what's going on inside of the, uh, the meat. So you take that, bring it out. Stick it on top, and then you want to leave it for about five minutes. Just, just let it do its thing. It's going to bubble. Leave it for five minutes. It's going to be extremely, extremely hot. So take that. Leave that there. Put that aside. Last thing, just again, to be fancy, broccolini. Uh, put that into a pan with about, I'd say, half an inch of water. Um, put those inside, bring it to boil. Again, you know, boiling water, pour it in. Don't do cold water. Um, put the boiling water. Bang, she's boiling already. Put that broccolini in. Three minutes, full on. Serve it up. Place it up. It's heaven. 
it's absolute heaven. It really is. So I made that. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. And it is also one of those amazing dishes which goes, you know, like 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 pasta, like pizza, like curry. It's not only fantastic the night you cook it, but when you reheat it the days later, ah, oh, ah, oh, it's like vintage. There's something that's just magical that's happened. So yeah, that was my cooking experience. I wanted to take you through that. So thank you for joining me while I cooked. I was actually reliving it, you know, in my mind. Again, while I went through with that, so that was a little bit self-indulgent on my behalf. But I, you know, I really appreciate that you hanging out with me on that one. That was pretty cool. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. This episode of Comfy Place was produced by David St. Hubbins. The executive editor was Nigel Tufnell. The senior mixer was Derek Smalls. And the head of fact-checking was Greg Bizionet. And the sound engineer was Rumi T. If you like the podcast and you want to give me a rating, I think that would be fantastic. You can go to comfyplacepodcast.com and you can just shoot me a little message and say hi. Just, just go to the contact us section there. I'd love to hear from you from all the places around the world. It's like one big happy family of all the places that this is our podcast has been listened to. Thank you for listening. I'm back soon, but hopefully you have a great day and you relax wherever you are in your comfy place. Bye.